0: You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Well, guys, election season is finally about to be here in the United States. And to help us get through all the craziness, and all the drama and all the other just silliness we're all going to see, we're going to be discussing some of our favorite political thrillers and political moments in our fandoms, other patriotic IPs, etc. Hopefully, I can talk about Harrison Ford and Air Force One being the president. I'm excited for that. We know that not all of our listeners are American though, so we're not going to try to focus too much on our politics. We probably will talk about it when it's relevant. Um, the goal for this series, this new series we're going to do, primarily political. Um, our goal is to talk more about the broad Christian perspective of political ideas than specific politics. So, are going to do that, talking about some of our favorite political IPs. and To kick this off, we're going to be discussing Ratchet and Clank, when Captain Quirk became president, as well as some other sci-fi video game stuff and politics in our games. Um, really excited to do this one. This is going to be sort of a follow up to the one shot that we're going to have live that was live before this is on the YouTube when this releases, but it being released on the main feed after this. So we're trying to be as confusing as possible because this is systematic geekology and we are the priest of the geeks. I'm Joshua Noll. Um, lately, I've really been kicking out on Indiana Jones. The new movie just came out. I loved it. So everyone be warned because, you know, I am Josh with a bad opinion. So, you know, I loved it. Whatever that says for you. And I am joined by the one, the only, um, probably my favorite Tolkien head. He's just so kind. Aww. <laughs> Talking to Nick Polk. How's it going, Nick?
1: I'm good. How Nick. are you? Well, you said you were good. You were nerding out on Indiana Jones, and we talked about it last time.
0: So I'm all eight times, except for the fifth one. I've only seen once so mm. far. <laughs> so <laughs> far. Are you going to go see it a second time? Yeah. yeah. I'm probably not going to see it a second time this month because today's the last day this month. But I am going to yeah. see it again while it's in theaters. Okay. It needs to okay. be done. Yeah. There's a lot of like meta stuff that, may, that I feel like probably makes it worth a rewatch. But
1: yeah. What you been geeking out on, Nick? So I have... I'm almost done with the latest season of Black Mirror. Super Ooh, good. Nice. Kind of took a different direction this season. So they start off doing their, you know, sci-fi technology, uh, very deep, dark, depressing type of prophecy type stuff. And they've gone into like horror and um, more magical fun. semi stuff. So they've done that really well. And I've been enjoying it and say it's, a, it's worth the watch.
0: Wow, nice! Yeah, we have to do episode on that one day. But before we do, we got to introduce the other host on the show, Christian Ashley, the um, the the most common appearance guy, probably the most <laughs> handsome too.
2: Oh, yeah. thanks. Yeah, yeah. Christian, how's it yes. going? I'm all right, Joshua. Uh, I had an answer, and then I completely forgot about what I've been geeking out on recently. Perfect. So uh, recording times That's second. what he's been doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a big day. I've got to record all these podcasts in my own. It's going to be a fun time. Then I got to go on a trip. You know what I'm geeking out on? I'm geeking out on something that just happened. (laughs) And that is photos of my niece. Uh, I don't know if by this time I can actually say her name because they're super weird about, you know, social media stuff. But uh, I have fallen in love all over again with this child. I'm about to go see her on Monday and I- I'm geeking out on that because I'm ready. I've been looking forward to being an uncle for so long. And I'm gonna hold nice. this little baby in my arms and I'm gonna share her with absolutely no one. Aw. Congrats, dude. Perfect.
0: Yeah, congratulations. And guys, now we're here for the main part of today's episode where we're gonna talk about some video games, some politics, etc. I've talked about Ratchet Clink on the show before with another host, David Pizarro. We talked about all of our favorite characters, including Captain Quark. But for those unaware um, the premise of this game, basically, it starts off. There's this mechanic he gets, who is a Lombax, the last of his species. We find out later on, he's an alien guy. Um, he is joined by a malfunction robot that had to run away because they tried to terminate him because he wasn't supposed to be made that way. Or was he? There's a lot of Destiny stuff later on in the game. Um, the game kind of focuses around them just kind of doing fun, spy sci- sci- sci-fi adventures. It starts off with this corporate capitalist guy being the main villain. And then it turns out that their favorite celebrity, a superhero named Captain Quark was actually the bad guy. And then he comes back for the second game and they fight him again. Eventually he goes good. And you find out that all along his earlier days when he was actually a hero, he fought Dr. Nefarious who comes back who's this evil robot that wants everything to be technology and everything is robots because biological creatures just aren't as good as robotic creatures. So it's science over humanity, alien kind, all that kind of stuff. It's the big beat of the game is that. But at one point, um, a politician tries to get Captain Quark because, you know, he's a celebrity, he's famous, just like all celebrities. He's been arrested and he's been redeemed, all that stuff. He's like, oh, would you come and sponsor me? And Captain Quark gets up there and builds himself up so much that he announces himself as running instead. (laughs) (laughs) and just kind of accidentally wins and becomes president. (laughs) Because, you know, that's just how things work. Um, Just this doofus who isn't even really a hero. He just kind of accidentally becomes a hero a lot of the time. (laughs) Uh, Really jacked, buff-looking dude. We find that out in the newest game that I have not played. They go through some other dimensions, and in another dimension, Dr. Nefarious became emperor of all of the galaxies. So what's interesting to me that I wanted to point out and hopefully talk to you guys about some other games in this game. It really seems like the contrast is you have bumbling, idiot, celebrity, political stuff like capitalism is evil. And then you have this beat of all technology, all science. Forget about the nature of humanity, even though it's aliens. I think that's sort of what it's getting at. And you see this, both of them as being the opposing things, but the actual good guy is this dude who was really just an ordinary mechanic. And what I like about that politically is it shows like it's not the politics don't make the biggest difference. It's not the celebrities. It's not even our robots and our science. It's the mechanic down the road. (laughs) And I love that. I like for me, when I'm thinking about my politics, I love when our politics focus on the ordinary people, you know, like the middle class, the, the people who are the backbone of it all to me. So I wanted to throw to you guys, since that was sort of my topic with this one, um, as far as like other games you've played, because I know like Borderlands has some of that. Um, I know some of the other sci-fi. I'm not sure about Mass Effect. There's so many different storylines. But as far as the other games that you guys played, have you ever seen similar storylines to like juxtaposing the normal guy to the scientist and the popular, you know, celebrities and all that?
2: Christian. Yeah, sure. Um, well, for going with Mass Effect, we have people who seek ambassadorial powers or to be seen as leaders of Earth alongside alien races. And all the politics goes into that of like the maneuverings, the political ways you have to go, you know, the, the deals you have to make. And it's conflicted. Uh, you can t- contrast between you have Anderson, who is a war hero, uh, who really – wants the best for earth and to be seen as equals in the galaxy. And then you have counselor Udina who is kind of that jerky, like uh, I'm a career politician. I fought my way to the top so that I would be seen as the best of the best. And I don't care about anything else except my image, but I'm going to say it's all for humanity's sake. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, of course. Naturally, Nick, you see any like political themes or anything in the games that you've played that you want to mention?
1: Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think, I know that my, the, the first thing that goes to mind uh, or that comes to mind is like the Halo series and how there's a, a lot of political, one. I think especially in the third one where I can't remember y'all might have to fill in the gaps for me is like uh one of the aliens that's part of the covenant, right? Does something and gets kicked out and you partner, like you, you team the up elites. with them. Yeah, there you go. And you, you kind of partner with them and go through and, All that good stuff. Um, and Of course, there's just a whole bunch of intergalactic politics that happen throughout that series um, that have those big questions of technology and war and, you know, different cultures and how they they're fighting to exist alongside
0: one another in the midst of all that conflict. Um, Yeah. So that's interesting. I honestly I never got past the first Halo game. I just thought it was really boring. You know, wrong opinions. Galore for everyone! Ooh, um,
1: ooh, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's one TJ really likes to to bring up. Um, <laughs> but the the story I think I think is really fascinating. So with Halo, isn't it primarily like um, the people you play as a Chief is kind of a military coup, kind of a
2: military group kind of deal, or? Yeah, uh, if Nick kind of brought this up, I certainly would have. Yeah, because as time goes on in the series, like humanity has been brought close to the point of extinction. And as we're fighting the covenant, this collective group of alien races who are united under this singular religion, uh, worshiping, uh, is it the forerunners? Is that what they call them? Or is yeah, that the four title I think yeah. so. Yeah. And their sense of, oh man, we should ascend one day to a bee like them. And you've got us who are like, oh, let's study these artifacts. And then they're religious relics. Mm-hmm. And you get into like learning more about the covenant themselves. You have the prophets at the very head. And so it seems like they're the, they're not really like the Pope to a yeah. sense, but there's a similarity between them and him. And you learn through the, uh, crossing the game. They know their religion is based on a lie. Huh. They know the forerunners were just an alien race who came before them. And they use that as a means of controlling the populace of controlling these other races. Cause they themselves are not the strongest race, but if they can get people working for them under this banner, then things can get done for their benefit. Fascinating. Okay, so you play as Master Chief in Halo, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. You asked another question. I'm sorry, I didn't answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> who Who was Master Chief? Nick.
1: Man, uh, it's a great question because I did not uh, prepare, and I have not played Halo in a long time. But he's basically <laughs> sorry part of this elite. No, it's good. It's a part of this like elite group of. Um, I guess earth warriors and master chief himself is like, he's like the guy, right? He's like the top. Yeah. Right. And he, yeah. he's the one all Spartans want to be like, yeah, the Spartans are what they're called. Christian fill in the space here. So I don't embarrass myself. Yeah, sure.
2: Um, it helps. I watched, God help me. I watched that TV series. So some of it is still oh, nice. in my head. Uh, I, I was not a fan of the I've changes they bad. made overall. Yeah. But, uh, what happens is that while humanity before, we're going into the stars and you know, exploring places, but as is often the case, civil war happens. You have that typical, like the colony planets feel like they're not being represented and Earth feels like they should just fall in line. So what they were doing is they'd have these rebellions in human space. So the uh, Navy, I can't remember the actual name they use for themselves, uh, creates the Spartans to be like their number one super soldiers like Captain America on steroids to take down these civil wars. But as this happens, we have first contact with the covenant. So then they come in and that's what starts the war and humanity starts reuniting again. Man.
0: See, that sounds a lot like, like the star Wars prequel kind of politics stuff of like the federalist and then the emperor, then some of the world being like, okay, but that has nothing to do with our planet. <laughs> also, you know, cause I'm just a big fan of like American history. Like, Early th- times of, okay, well, but if we're going to do it by population, then some states get no representation at all. And their state's just forced, to, you know, and that's where we get the whole idea of the Senate. And that's, I think the same thing with, like, the prequel Star Wars, why they have the Senate that way, if I'm thinking right. Yeah.
2: So yeah. everyone has equal representation, you yeah. would hope. Yeah. Each it's point, interesting.
0: Regardless of population.
2: It's interesting, too, to
1: think about the prequels and Halo and, these, uh, and even Ratchet and Clank and stuff about, you know, Rook being – developed right around the time that 9-11 happened yeah. and how a lot of that stuff is, is really focused on like, okay, we're united against one enemy type of a thing. We're all kind of straight and all that. And there's a lot of those themes of coming together or, you know, like you have with Star Wars, you know, the classic, uh, line, yeah. this is where democracy goes to die, you know, with thundering applause or whatever. Yeah. And you know what it's man? just really interesting that all of that stuff fits within that intergalactic sci-fi space.
0: Oh, yeah. And well, fun to me, too, because you were talking about like Master Chief being like the guy, like the top of the top, because like starting this off, thinking about Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank is the opposite of that. (laughs) Like he's just (laughs) some dude. He's the last of a species, not super strong or anything. He's a mechanic, so that helps him a lot in different situations. Um, His main weapon is a wrench, not because it's a good weapon, but because he just happens to have a wrench, (laughs) you know, like. And it's yeah. uh, it's funny too because like even like when they do like the tournaments, one of the things that cracks me up the most because you know I'm one of those guys who has to complete a game 100. I don't know if oh, you guys yeah. like that, but like a lot of games, not all of them. I've eased up as I've gotten older because I don't have as much time. But a lot <laughs> of games I have to beat it 100. So you would get to, and I know Nick said he played the first three action links, but you would get to like some of these tournaments, and in the fights they're like announcing's like all right and this corner is the giant spider robot the best of the best you know and they do this cool huge announcement and then they go to and then on the other corner is this guy <laughs> like they don't even know his name <laughs> it's just the so humor fun. in those in those games they're great oh yeah like honestly that is like if i had to pinpoint what is my humor i'd be like just study Ratchet and Clank. that is my humor <laughs> when courtney gears shows up <laughs> with don't hit me one more time <laughs> I about died i was like man they uh they really did that <laughs> uh, or all of the um secret agent clank where he was just james bond just oh yeah tiny robot <laughs> he's like and uh because that's like at the beginning of the third game right yeah he even got his own like psp game for those who remember that's the right. psp yeah and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny and it's like they do all these crazy stuff and they still somehow are like completely unknown. The fourth Ratchet Clink is literally all tournaments and you have that same announcer guy all throughout. And it's like, Man, the what, Lombax? What's, what's the Lombax? <laughs> and it's funny because you don't really realize so later on, like you think they're just joking and making fun of them. But literally no one knows what a Lombax is. Yeah, have <laughs> no seen one. Well, it's interesting too. just thinking about
1: like because, you know, if you get into the lore, like Ratchet is like the last of his species because of a whole intergalactic conflict with his planet, you know, his original species planet. And then he gets sent off like Superman style or, you know, (laughs) Goku style where they they're (laughs) like, oh, this is our last and final son. Put him in a spaceship and land somewhere random and become a working class guy and then ascend
0: and become like the hero of the universe yeah and it's funny like it's changed over time but a lot of the first few games it's like at the beginning even after he saved the galaxy like because nobody knows about it because quark or somebody else will take credit and he's just like whatever i don't care (laughs) but like it's so funny because so many of them start off with they're like we have no hope um how do we make people feel like we did something without doing anything Uh, that guy let's just send him give him whatever ship's laying around and (laughs) And they just expect him to fail, and sometimes it's even the bad guy's plan. is like they have him sent, so it looks like there was someone stayed up against them, because they know that he doesn't stand a chance, and he always wins. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like he's just some dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, those games looks like they're so much fun. Um, I mentioned earlier, Borderlands. Have either of you guys played Borderlands? i have i have not finished any of the
1: games but i've played uh i have played i put a lot of time into those games i just haven't yeah. finished the
0: story yeah me too i sometimes i'll go back on youtube and finish the story without having to play the rest
2: of the game yeah same. i love the games yeah. i just i get so sidetracked <laughs> i finished the first one and that was about it for me it's definitely one of those games for me it'd be a lot more fun if i was playing with someone yeah, oh yeah than by myself
0: yeah um I got the first few parts. I think it's the fourth Borderlands that was on PS4, third or fourth. I don't remember. But uh, TJ was staying with me for like a week, so we got through a good chunk. And I had to work. He got through a lot more of my game than I did. <laughs> but I was like, "This is fine. It is a lot fun to do multiplayer, and it also has a lot of like my sense of humor of like, but it's more like dark humor because it's like post apocalyptic universe kind of deal. Yeah, we're yeah. all gonna die, but." <laughs> What's uh What's his name? The little robot. Claptrap. I love yeah, Claptrap. He, Trap. He's, he's great. Yeah, Claptrap is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, him and his fatalistic humor—it's great. Yeah, yeah, fatalistic humor might be my favorite humor. <laughs> 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 All right, so we mentioned Halo, Borderlands, Mass Effect, Ratchet and Clank. Um, you were talking about Jack and Daxter in our in our text earlier. It's kind of sci-fi-ish too. Would you mm-hmm. um kind of break down like what is Jack and Daxter for those who don't know? So, Jack and Daxter is also one of those early platformers
1: for the PS2. I think it it came out either the same year as Ratchet and Clank or the year before. Mm -hmm. One of those, it might have even been a launch title. Um, But it was super successful where it's it's kind of a mix between fantasy and sci-fi. It's kind of steampunk, which, you know, Ratchet and Clank is definitely more sci-fi intergalactic Mm -hmm. as opposed to kind of bringing in some magic. But you've got these things called precursors, which is a society that has established some sort of technological order. And of course, the world is in decay after all this stuff. And there are these elders that are like, um, oh, I can't even remember what their titles are, but they're basically like these keepers of lore and technology. And one of them or or a bunch of them go bad except for one. Mm -hmm. And you basically have to team up with this guy. Um, who's the sage within and go against the other sages, collect a bunch of collectibles as you do in platformers, solve puzzles and eventually defeat um, the evil sages who are using a thing called dark matter. And so it, there's like a bunch there's, I think there's three main games and some, Mm -hmm. I think maybe Daxter got his own PSP spin. too. And, but there's just kind of like this intergalactic interdimensional aspect that gets, more into the sci-fi where you get flying cars you get you know you get shotguns and weird inner i think you can even travel to different planets in the third one um hmm.
0: yeah so i yeah. don't really remember all of that stuff when it comes to the second and third one weirdly enough i for me the first one was rough because it wasn't like there weren't guns <laughs> honestly yeah, what true. it was is i knew the series had guns and i was like the first one i was like no man where's the guns because Mind you, I'd already played all the Ratchet and Clanks, and I think the second Ratchet and Clank has like 50 different guns you can have. And I'm like, I've been through a whole level with no guns. I should have at least five by now. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, what's going on? Um, but I remember the second one I really enjoyed because you get like the magic powers and the guns, and some of the guns work with your magic, which mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. <laughs> you get some like really interesting, like, like you said, yeah, like fantasy sci fi combo stuff. Um, what I remember. Also, I did play the Daxter game. It was great. What I remember from Daxter and Jack 2, and you might have to correct me some if you remember better than I do. um, The cities themselves, we went in and out of, but we didn't stay in almost because the government was kind of corrupt, right? Yeah, And then they had to stay outside so they could like sneak in at night and different stuff to do the missions. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I think there's like this, because Dark Matter is kind of a central... Uh, element that bad guys use surprise surprise and i think one of the things (laughs) that transforms like i think you can use dark matter at one point to transform into like a werewolf type of a thing to counteract so you get even this interesting play and i feel like there's these symbols and stuff and and plot elements within games where at first you know in the first game you're using all these different like elemental Mm -hmm. things to fight against the dark matter and then now you're using the enemy's dark matter to fight. So you're almost fighting fire with fire. So there's more of like this good and evil, traditional good and evil type of dichotomy going on in the first game. And then things start becoming more gray and people are starting to use, you know, you're starting
0: to use the enemy's weapons against them type of a thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I ever played Jack 3 at all. (laughs) But weirdly enough, there was a Jack and the Dexter that happened after that trilogy that was only on PSP that I played. And I did beat that one. And Jack has instead of the dark matter, he has access to like light matter, like it's like the opposite of that. And that's it all right. has different that's abilities, right. and each each one has a different ability, like the yep. different lights. And I thought it was really interesting because it seemed like the dark matter was gone for some reason. <laughs> and I don't so
1: know I think what in happened. the
0: third one you can do both. Oh, that's and then cool.
1: they must yeah. So I guess in the PSP one they must have. Or I just Trans- don't remember. <laughs>
2: until
0: I matter. Yeah, I never played the PSP one because yeah. I didn't have a PSP. Oh, well, that's fair. That's fair. Now, one thing that's like just standing out to me is like Ratchet and Clank. You know, you had the capitalist and the evil politicians and even the doofus politician. Jack and Dexter, corrupt government in the cities. Mass Effect seems like there's a little, little bit of everything mixed in there. <laughs> Borderlands, corrupt government. Halo, kind of corrupt lie. Um, corrupt religious systems call that? yeah
1: that drive the at least drive the alien governmental systems
0: yeah yeah, yeah. i mean do, do you think that's yeah. like a, a common theme through a lot of games where the politicians the like establishment is the bad guy oh absolutely
2: i mean you don't really have to go far i mean you can go through many things you go through bioshock you go through the outer worlds um the Fallout, plenty of places where you see good government, way. yeah, government as a heavily flawed system that, at best, may get stuff done, and at worst is taking advantage of the people under it. And I can't ever imagine why anyone would ever think that. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> yeah, you know, all these perfect governments we've always had. That's why there's never been rebellions against them, and there's you know never been people protesting against them. So true. Like, Yeah, that's why this is why we're talking about this because it's sci-fi, you know, it's not real. No, it's because sci-fi most of the time is a reflection of things happening to us at that moment in time. Uh, We see the fears of the day. That's why you see your 50s movies. We are afraid of the atomic bomb and what it can do the entire (laughs) world. So that's why we have so many radioactive threats. That's why we have so many giant monsters, your kaiju, that are changed by radiation and to become this terrible thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, the entire first Godzilla movie alone is (laughs) just uh, a walking, uh, not really talking, atomic bomb that lays waste to Tokyo. Well, whatever happened to them that they would ever make a monster based around that? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Fair. Fair. Yeah. I uh, I was trying to say Fallout because we are going to do a whole episode on it next oh, yes. year. It's going to be good. But yeah, I, I what I think is interesting is like you definitely have a point with all that. And yet you don't see most of your sci-fi or video game fans being the ones that are like anti-federal government, big government kind of stuff. Like you, you don't see them being the one opposing, you know, Medicaid or any of that kind of stuff. Like it's still like, yes, we don't necessarily trust it, but also – the majority still is for a lot of these governmental programs. Um Nick, why do you think that is? <laughs> You're talking about in real life. Yeah, like why do our, why do our gamers who engage in these stories not then like translate that to distrust government programs?
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's more of like how do you do that especially if you have been steeped in the stability that a government has provided yeah so let's think about it government institutions like that we have access to right public schools right even there's all there's problems in public schools right whether you support them or not um but it's going to be there and there's lots of people who have lots of issues with them and there's whole movies about the corruption of public schools or like the you know the failure of public schools obviously we have a bunch of you know, biopics on, you know, segregation and integration, all that good stuff. And so I think that we just are used to it. And so there may be things we're unhappy with, but how we translate that um, unhappiness or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like discouragement. Yeah, I don't really know the right word. I'm looking for something particular about practical. But you, I think y'all yeah. get what I'm saying. And I think it's hard to translate that into action. So we explore it in these different IPs. But um, I don't know. It's, it's tough because I think that generally when you see government programs, that are like, yeah, we want to feed old people. We want to make sure that our elderly um, yeah. citizens have housing and health care. And I think that it's really hard for someone to go, that's bad you know like i think people can say (laughs) yeah wars and the amount of money we put into the military is kind of over the top but um we at least we at least feed our elderly you know and we give (laughs) some poor people access to food which i think most
0: people would be fine with yeah true true i think these kind of conversations are really interesting especially with us three um For context for the listeners, um, which, guys, tell me if I'm misrepresenting you. I don't think I am. Um, I see Nick is probably more progressive, both theologically and politically. Yeah, that's Um, true. I'd probably see, like, politically, I'm, like, center-right, theologically, I'm probably (laughs) center-left, you know? And then I think Christian would both probably be more on the conservative side, both politically and theologically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so what kind of makes this really fun? So Christian – you aren't the typical sci-fi nerd video gamer. You do kind of support more of the party that prioritizes smaller government over some of the big government stuff. Do these stories impact your views on that stuff or is it just kind of a coincidence that you like both things?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, all cards on a table, I'm a registered independent. I, I have been as such since I had the ability to vote, even at my most jingoistic as a teenager – Like I could not reconcile my beliefs in Christ with what the Republican Party was doing. Not say like I've totally like written them off in the same way I had the Democratic Party or the Democrat Party, I should say. So just to let you know all that on the table. Now, as far as this is a concern, I mean, I'm not really their target audience. Mm -hmm. Most writers, uh, most developers are going to come from a bit of a more liberal left bias from what I've seen. And let's say that's 100 percent across the board because it's not true. Yeah. But typically, that's who they're going for, to try to tug at your heartstrings. Now, unfortunately, most gamers are tone deaf, and uh, if you, you hit say. them with subtlety, they're going to go, okay, whatever, and move on with their lives. <laughs> I, I, for instance, I saw someone post the other day about how, man, I wish games weren't political, and they posted images from Metal Gear Solid. The famously apolitical series, Metal Gear Solid, where there's never anything about how we use our politics or why why private military companies shouldn't be a thing or uh, the evils of war and all this stuff. It's like, no, no, no. That's what games should be like, you know, because subtlety just doesn't hit people well. Yeah. Unfortunately. But you run the gamut of there are games when actually they get more overt, people get up in arms. Yeah because it didn't work when I said this. What if I hammered in a little harder? What if I hit you in the head with an anvil? (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe that works for some people. For people like me, it makes me a little uppity because I want to be treated like someone intelligent. Mm. And if you do that, I'm going to go, well, you may have had a point, but I'm going to tune you out now. Yeah, because and that's the exact opposite of what they want. And I should be better about myself in that regard. But uh, your original question, which I've mangled again, (laughs) was uh, I'm more conservative and what else? Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you're more on
0: the side of the people who probably wouldn't agree with a lot of big government stuff, which is sort of. Yes. Seems to be what the theme a lot of these games are. So I was trying to see if it was just a coincidence or if you actually took that away from these games and that influenced your opinion.
2: Oh, definitely. I I see it all the time. And. I mean, not because I'm actively looking for it, but because I'm paying attention to the games that I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which once again, a lot of gamers I've talked to are tone deaf. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's its own thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I um, what I like about Ratchet and Clank is it, it kind of takes what I can, what I call the South Park tack, where it's. Uh, I, I think the reason it doesn't get in trouble for being too overt because it literally makes a capitalist the bad guy for the very first game. You. <laughs> You know, like capitalist, that's the villain. Celebrities are the villain in the second one. And then we're going to go to scientists for three, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's funny because the South Park, it does get in a lot of trouble, but what South Park does is it makes fun of both sides. So you mm-hmm. do find people from every side that enjoy it because it makes fun of the other side. And those of us who are more accepting of people criticizing our own side can appreciate when they make fun of our own views as well. Right. And I, I think Ratchet Clink does that. It's just not as crude. Because, yeah, the bad guy in the first one is absolutely this capitalist Republican, basically, (laughs) you know, and then you get later on in the game. And it's actually this guy who's trying to force technology on people and big government on people is the bad guy. And it's like, okay, so they're just going to make everybody the bad guy at different points, except for the mechanic down the road. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one, one I'm trying to think of games that are different, that aren't like the government's the bad guy. And I think one that stands out is kind of weird. You have to hear me out on this. Um, I know Christian's played. Nick, have you played Kingdom Hearts? Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. So in the <laughs> Kingdom Hearts series, it's hard to see the politics of it because everybody has their own world and the worlds are getting destroyed in a lot of it. And there's kind of, you know, it's more about darkness and light and King Mickey than anything else. But you kind of see King Mickey... Is he's king you know monarchy kind of deal for light the good guys are that the bad guys are more of a shadow government organization like organization 13 is kind of behind the scenes it's not in everyone's face it's not the political leaders everyone knows about it's the behind the scenes and everybody's like oh why is bad things happening we don't know um do you guys see that am i stretching this or is it kind of does seem like that's a little bit different than what you usually see in games
2: no, I see it completely. I mean, Mickey is kind of like the ideal king, the ideal hero leader. You you want to have someone like him in charge. Like normally, if he hadn't have, I guess, in this context, he was probably born into the position. Uh, we don't really get into the politics of that necessarily. <laughs> Walt but, appointed him. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Walt himself did. Um, but at the end of the day, like that's the person you want in power. The one who's going to look after his people at the cost of himself like, how much time did he spend in the the realm of darkness to find Aqua and get out of there? And how much time did he spend away from his people to protect them from things they haven't seen? Like that's who I want. Then you've got your shadowy organization thirteen and all them. Like uh, your your reasoning is flawed. And this is the way how the world really works is through darkness and <laughs> all this mess. I love final uh, excuse me Kingdom Hearts, but yeah, sometimes yeah. it gets a little too uh, too on Hearts the nose. So I'm good. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah you know it's interesting you made me think about because you know just tying everything back to tolkien and lord of the rings is that like you know tolkien himself leave the best he even talked about he was like an anarchist slash monarchist where he was like government is bad except for if there was like the most benevolent king that existed then we could trust this king and live life that would be a great government and we have this in mickey who even so in, in tolkien kind of Writes that character, that perfect king, Mickey Mouse. into as Aragorn. <laughs> well, and then I'm thinking too, <laughs> Mickey Mouse analog Aragorn. Mickey well, I mean, is Aragorn kind of Caught because over. Mickey also <laughs> has a hood and he's kind of working behind That's the true. scenes. He's like a Strider type of a deal, and then he reveals himself and he's like, "What's up, Mickey's back." Aragorn does the same stuff, dude. I'm gonna
0: have to write a Tolkien I, pop article yeah, about you, this. you convinced me. <laughs> this is great. This is great. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I love this. Yeah. So for those wondering, Kingdom Hearts, you start off, you're just a kid on this island. Worlds start getting consumed with darkness. And you're going through and you're fighting these like shadow beings kind of thing. I'm not going to explain the whole game. As you go, you have this key. You don't know where it came from, but it's the only thing that's able to fight the darkness that you've seen. Um, As you go, you end up seeing there's other keys there's other things going on Mickey Mouse is kind of the one behind the scenes he sent you Donald and Goofy who are your companions to help you find off the darkness and all the bad guys um, and then there's this organization 13 you kind of slowly see them and they're kind of somehow controlling some of the bad guys you know that you've been fighting and even intentionally having you defeat them because it releases darkness into what's called the Kingdom of Hearts Wow and they even in the first game there's a statement of the kingdom of Hearts is darkness and when he opens it, in the darkness, there's one light, and that light is coming from Mickey Mouse with a key. Yes, And that moment was just so cool to me. Even as like a young kid up till now, I'm still like, yeah, in the middle of the darkness, we have a king who holds the light. I love that. I don't think the game was trying to be Christian, but no. that's about as Christian a message as you get.
2: <laughs> you know, like Yeah, definitely completely 100% unintentional, but you can see the imagery right there, the unintentional imagery of of that light in the darkness the one person fighting against everything that is actively trying to destroy what is good and righteous yeah and i guess
0: that kind of talking about the the righteous king and talking about like Mm -hmm. that allegory of mickey and jesus (laughs) we we get to where a lot of people do of like oh you're a christian podcast you're a geek podcast why are you talking about politics right hey politics are in everything they're in all these games we mentioned obviously we pointed that out But yeah, Jesus cares about politics. We're Christians. We care about Jesus. Jesus cares about politics. Why? Politics is just how we operate as people collectively together. There's politics in church. There's politics in our government. There's politics in your friendship even. You might not notice it. But if you're in a really long line for something, waiting overnight, there's politics. Someone's going to start coming up with rules for the line. Someone else is going to have, well, how do we enforce these rules? What do we do if this happens? Politics happen as long as people exist. Uh, it's part of our nature, It's part of how God made us, and it's something that Jesus cares about. So when we think about what does a righteous ruler look like, I think we're getting to what does it mean for this part of who we're made to be political? We're all made political beings. What does it mean to live that in light of how we were meant to be made? And I think, yeah, I think that for me goes back to Ratchet and Clank naturally where I'm like, yeah, it is the <laughs> – we're all meant that's not our main thing. Like I feel like the people who they're striving just to be over everyone else, so that all the politics work the way they want it to. they for me, a lot of the professional politicians, or that's been their whole life goal. That's where I see a lot of danger. But for the people who were, you know, one of us, who are the mechanic down the road, who is operating and trying to make things work so that we can function correctly as a system. That's the kind of politics that I like to see. So that's where I'm like, yeah, that beating the ratchet and clink games. That's where I'm at.
1: I think the one thing that video games does really well and storytelling in general is that I think that if people are being honest, like all of us kind of on this sitting in the different political spectrums is like we I think we can agree that like the end goal for people in whatever society is that for their betterment. Right now, it may look different to how those things are achieved or the best way there. We want good things for our communities, ourselves, our families, other people's families, etc., And I think what these games and IPs do is that they point to um, elements of like what government and religious systems and businesses should not be. And Mm -hmm. so we can be like, okay, that's, and it reflects, you know, governments within history or currently or what have you. And we can say, okay, we don't think government or business should be like that. And then it has us having conversations on like, okay, so what does. a good government look like what does a good business look like um, a good economic system and as Christians how do we come together to um, have that conversation even if our yeah. theological beliefs are different as
0: well yeah yeah and I think what's helpful to do these kind of conversations and thinking about video games and everything like that and putting it in this context is it takes us out of um, for those who aren't American I don't know America's it's, it's all based off what team you are basically more than the a lot of the ideas So that's where I like that you brought it to the betterment of humanity. That's where we're all agreeing. And that's where we're seeing things, not are you this color or this color? You know, do you like this guy or this guy? (laughs) Right. Um, But Christian, so that (laughs) it's not people more progressive than you (laughs) dogging. How do you feel about that? Like, what would your response to those ideas be?
2: I mean, excellent points all around. I mean, but, but for all that, let's go back to Jesus and how he responded to politics. You're right. He didn't just ignore them. He didn't pretend he was better than this. He engaged, but he also withdrew. So, what we need to learn from his example is how to be shrewd like him. King Herod wanted to meet with Jesus. You would think, as the leader of the Jews, the king, oh, well, that makes perfect political sense. Let me talk to this man. If I can persuade him to my side, get him to come to faith, then oh, like things will be that much easier. Well, Jesus knew Herod's heart. So, he never engaged with Herod. He knew the Pharisees' heart, but he engaged with them because they were the religious leaders of Israel. And if anyone needed to kick in the seat of their pants, it was them. But Jesus didn't pursue them a lot of the time. They came after him. So he was prepared when they came. So he had the answers ready. He could rebuff them, not to like make himself sound better to them, but to show their weaknesses, show their frailty as humans, and then proclaim who he is and the glory of God. So, but there was also a point too, when Jesus avoided them, because nothing productive would have happened by talking to them. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jesus isn't here to waste his time. He's only got 30 some years (laughs) to get things done. Yeah. And talking with people who are not going to listen to you is a waste of time. I hate to say that, but I mean, they had made their choices. They had made the decisions. They're not going to follow God like they should be. Mm. But also Jesus, we also see, didn't wait for like a government to say, hey, uh, there's an issue here in this area. Can you help out? No, he went there himself. Mm. He attended to the poor and the needy and the sick and the infirm. And we should do the same. sure if there's some regulation we need to know about we should probably ask you know just in case our nonprofits are working like this supposed to what have you but jesus didn't wait for someone else to tell him to do something he went and did it yeah and that's um it's funny because i feel like a lot of christians and a lot of
0: people who much like me are a little disgruntled at systems in general one of the problems i have with other people like me You tend to get this kind of mindset of, oh, we don't need the politics. We don't need any of this. Let's just go out and do good, right? But here's the problem with that. Your church takes all of the money that we've given. We put it all together, and it goes out, and it does all of it to feed the hungry in your city. That's a great thing, right? We're all happy about that until you realize there was two or three people in your church that were really passionate about getting homes for people who needed homes. And their vision wasn't being able to pour it into it all because you took all the money and fed the hungry, which you should do but you should also own those who need homes. And that's where all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, we we did need politics. We did need something to set up. How are we going to do both of these things? And how much should we give to both things? Um, I don't have the answer for how you do that. If any church is wondering, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe play more video games. You'll find out. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Um, So what would you guys say? If you had to point to like one spot where you think politics are done really well by the good guys in a video game, Where would you point? I'm gonna let you guys know now. I'm not pointing to
2: Borderlands.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're all bad. (laughs) Um, hmm. this is actually really hard for me. Yeah, I'm having a tough time myself.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've played. I will say a couple times in Mass Effect Galaga. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Galaga. Yeah, perfect uh, apolitical game. Galaga. Um, (laughs) There's a couple times when. Anderson, let's get who is the more reasonable person, Mm -hmm. uses his position to help people, sometimes a little more forcefully when needed, sometimes under the scenes. So what we can learn from that is, well, where am I positioned right now? Mm -hmm. What good can I do with what I have? Do I have someone I know on the city council? Do Am I on that council? Am <laughs> I a mayor? What have you? Like, what can I do with the position I have to help the people under my, uh, not control, but uh, constituency maybe might be the better point to make there? Yeah. Yeah. Nick, can you think of any examples
0: of it done well outside of King Mickey? Or you just want to talk more about King Mickey. That's fine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, you know, the perfect, uh, the archetype next to Jesus. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, am just cause I've talked about Diablo four and that's been in my recent memory and I've played all of the games previous, you know, I think there's this, there's kind of a whole, it's more of an like religious institution, but the religious institutions are kind of the, um, the governing bodies in Diablo. And so there's, there's lots of conspiracies. You find out that, Even heaven, even the um, institutions that represent heaven, there's ulterior motives that are uh, done at the cost of people's well being. And I think there's just a lot of, um, like, the well being of communities is the goal. And so you're fighting against primarily demons, of course, um, and fantastical creatures, but sometimes you have to fight against the institutions that um, claim to be. Bringing forth the will of heaven, yeah. and I think that there is this. Obviously, it's through violence and weird magic, but you have to fight those things that yeah. uh, that their end goal is ultimately the acquirement of power um, and the exerting of that power, as opposed to the well-being of everyone in the realm of sanctuary. And so you kind of fight for everyone's well-being, whether that's governments, religious institutions, or tribes, et cetera.
0: Yeah. I um, that's a good one. I, I need to get more into Diablo. Surprise, surprise! I'm going to go with Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm I'm going to specifically I'm going to go to the third game up your arsenal. Um, before Captain Quirk becomes President Quirk, it's actually the beginning of the game. I th- he's already been defeated. He's we don't know where. You know, he just he was a celebrity who went bad, and Ratchet beat him. saved the galaxy again. Game starts. Starting Nefarious is kind of creeping up. We see villainous plots happening and all the bad guys doing stuff. And Ratchet ends up being put on a team with, like, Al. If you're like me, just the mention of the name kind of breaks your heart a little bit. If you don't know, I'm not going to spoil that for you. Just know you're going to grow attached, and I'm sorry. Um... (laughs) But, yeah, you have Al, you have, um, I think Helga's her name, you have a few of these other characters who are coming together, all have their different specialties. And Ratchet ends up, mind you, this is right after the second game, where Quark was a big bad guy, tried to kill them, just because he, they exploited the evilness that he had when he was working with the Capitalist. They go and find him, rescue him, kind of refurbish him, make him a like brand new version of himself, and Because he is a celebrity, he's the popular one, and it's what people needed to see was the hero they all knew being at the helm of the team. He ended up being the leader, and Ratchet kind of submitted to it, even though they know he's a doofus. They know that he was a bad guy, because it's what people needed. They made the politics of that work so that they could function as a team and save the galaxy. And I thought it was really cool that they selected a figurehead for the people rather than someone that would just fit their needs for themselves. So that's something that I really appreciate in that game. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we have one last question at the end of this that I'm going to save. So if you're on Captivate, head over there, subscribe, and you'll get to hear one last question at the end. But for now, we're going to wrap up. And first thing we'd like to do is give some recommendations. Christian, do you have a recommendation for our listeners today?
2: Let's see. Um, I will recommend. I remember what I was going to actually... Say what I was geeking out on and use that right here. Uh, I have been geeking out on reading uh, through various books, uh, the history and the possibility of the uh, truth or untruth of the Loch Ness Monster being a thing, because cool. what we'll be doing uh, once a month on our YouTube channel is a special thing I'm creating called Friday Night Frights will be discovering and discussing uh cryptozoology and the paranormal and religious weirdness and uh the weird and unexplained and a lot of other stuff i'm starting on the 7th of july with the Loch Ness Monster so that is what i recommend you guys go check that out so you can be prepared before i start
0: i'm already scared but like in a good way <laughs> nice nice nick you have any recommendations for our listeners today um,
1: yeah, so I am a, I've talked about, I'm a big punk music guy. And so there's a YouTube channel called the punk rock NBA. Uh, the guy who runs it, his name is Finn McKenty. He's a music industry content creator, but he just does awesome deep dives into the history of different punk bands. Nice he, Our recent ones I watched were on the band rancid and simple plan. So if you want to get into, uh, punk music is a great it's a punk rock nba is a great youtube channel to do that very fun
0: Hmm, nice 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 recommendations um i'm gonna go with technically comics that have been out for a year but hang in there with me listeners i was patient i knew that these were epic but i waited to get them there were these one shots made last year batman one bad day some of his most famous villains And each one's a standalone story and i knew this year they're going to be dropping the hard covers the first one just dropped they're going to be dropping some of the other ones in the coming months and i'm going to get them as they come out in hardcover so i just got the batman one bad day riddler it is fantastic i hear the whole series is fantastic so now that they're out on hardcover check them out worth having a uh more furbished copy of these i think there's some really cool stories from what i understand the riddler is definitely a really good story yeah so with that, guys, um, don't forget, rate and review the show on Podchaser or if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that works as well. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Helps other people see the show and subscribe to our YouTube channel for some extra content that's not available on a regular podcast feed like our ketchup, manga mustard or drinks with Dejus. And of course, we need you all to do one very important thing. And just remember that we're all the chosen people, a kingdom of priests.